Welcome to Jesse Jameson and Friends. Your host, Jesse Jameson, has a real treat for you. You are about to hear a great story. And if Jesse brings his A-game, some good commentary too. And later on, we'll let you know how you can join Jesse as a guest. Now, without further ado, here's Jesse. And welcome back to Jesse Jameson and Friends. Today's friend is Judy from Missoula. And the story and the title of Judy's story is Bariatric Surgery Saved My Life. Now, Judy, before I hand it over to you, I want people to get an idea of me. At the beginning of COVID-19, I was about 195, five, five foot nine, a little pudgy, had a little man boobage going on, but I, st- I stopped eating and drinking sugars. I predominantly just drink water now. I do a daily walk and I have one of these body types that some women especially despise because I can literally lose 30 pounds in about three months, which I did. I'm about 160 pounds in high school, skinny now. And for me, it was relatively easy. Not so for everybody though. And in your case, your story is titled Bariatric Surgery Saved My Life. So I'm assuming that you've kind of had issues with with your weight throughout your life. So if you would, take us back to the beginning. The floor is yours. Hey, Jesse, thanks so much. And I have to tell you how surprised I am because almost everyone on Facebook and Twitter are talking about the COVID-15 that they have gained because they're at home and it's so easy. So congratulations on losing weight. That's that's pretty darn good. Thank you, Judy. And it's funny you say that because um, at the beginning of the um, of the stay home orders, I actually did start to gain a little bit more weight. And I noticed I was getting like a B cup, you know, and I was like, okay, this has got to stop. But yeah, tell me, tell me your situation. Um, what, what, about what year or what time frame does this story start? Okay, so I have to tell you that my story took place almost 19 years ago. And, and how, uh, you know, what uh, the title was, it saved my life. And in reality, uh, let me start from the first, I had a great, great uh, upbringing and lived on a ranch in Idaho. I was a bonus baby. That means that my, my brothers and sisters are all considerably older than I am. And so I was well-loved by everyone. And, and in the community where we live, lots of aunts and uncles and cousins and everyone to give you support and give you loving pats on the back. And, and so I grew up very um, with a high self-esteem a really high self-esteem. But to give you a little bit of a background, in my older brothers and sisters, I had two sisters. And when I was born, a bonus baby, because there were three brothers and two sisters, my parents said, okay, if it's a girl, then the girls can name her. If it's a boy, then the boys can name her. And, and I was a girl, of course. So I'm named after Judy Garland, and Ann Richards, and Jesse, you were saying you were watching old movies. So Ann Richards was a dancer with beautiful long legs. And uh, so, but those two sisters played a very important role in my life. They were 10 and 12 years older. And the oldest sister was extremely smart and very studious. But, um, you know, in, in looking back, she wasn't that heavy. It just, 
seemed like she was that heavy in comparison to the other sister. And the other sister was beautiful and student body president and, um, you know. Judy, Judy, give us your sister's name so we're not referring to them as one sister or the other. Who, who's, how is, how, what's, what's your oldest sister's name? Liz. Liz. And then what's the, the middle sister's name? Lucy. Okay, so Lucy was quite a bit smaller than Liz. And, and gorgeous and very gregarious. And it's not that Liz is huge by any means, but to you, a little girl, she probably did seem a little bit bigger than, you know, your friends that are, you know, 15 years younger, so to speak, right? Right, right. Very sedentary because she loved to read and she was going off to college. And my first recollection of those two was uh, standing in, the, in a doorway when I was about six and Liz is over in the corner reading which she did, did continuously. And Lucy is singing and dancing with one brother playing a guitar and the other playing the piano. And, and in my little teeny tiny head, I said, hmm, which, because everyone wanted to hold me. Everyone wanted to sleep with me. Everyone, you know, I was this beautiful baby, spoiled rotten. And I thought, hmm, do I want to be smart or do I want to be pretty? And oh, so you are you already saw this distinction. I always yeah. I always tell people, hey, quit reading. You're going to get fat. So you, you kind of proved that point, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. But but smart, you know, and so I'm making this little judgment. OK, who do I sleep with at, at, at night? Which one's going to get me? How which which tribe am I going to go with? And I thought to myself, you know, Lucy has so much. She's surrounded by people who adore her and everything. I think I'm going to choose smart. And years and years later, uh, my husband, when I'm sharing this story with him, he said, didn't it ever dawn on you that you could be smart and pretty? And I said, it didn't. When you're about five or six years old, it honestly didn't. I thought I had to choose one or the other. And so I became very, very smart. And I was never heavy growing up and in high school. And I was always smarter than most of my schoolmates. So I didn't date a whole bunch in high school. But then I went to college, got married, um, started having children. I mean, there's, there's some spiritual aspects I'll share with you on another, another thing. Well, shoot, I'll just share them with you right now. When I was six, on this ranch, outside in the corral, I have all of my little teddy bears and dolls around me, and I get this spiritual ep epiphany just whoosh, that tells me that I am to have six children, I am to write books, all over, and I am to work with families all over the world, and then I'll live to be a very old lady. And so I went in and told my mother, hey, it's just happened. I, I don't know what it means. And she said, well, you're very fortunate because now you know. So uh, just hang on and, and you will hear the rest of the story. In Judy, just a Judy, let me ask you a question. Okay. You're in the barn or in this, this I assume, enclosed area. You've got these animals around you. You're summoning spirits. Did you have a Ouija board around or was there a Ouija board? In 
Oh, no? no, those were not allowed. Those were up in, <laughs> grew up in a fundamentalist religion. And those, I, I, and, and I think that's why I was so confused. Like, what? Hey, by the way, Judy, your uncle was right. You can be beautiful and smart, but yeah. it, it is a little intimidating. We prefer the beautiful and dumb girls. Is that? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, I know, I know. I know. So the reality is, is you had this epiphany and this epiphany told you you're going to have six kids. You guys, was this a Mormon family? <laughs> it was. Actually. Oh, it was. <laughs> I had no idea. I, I heard Idaho and six kids and I just thought that sounds like a Mormon fantasy come true. So are you, are you, are you still, you're not, you're not, you're not LDS anymore. Okay, but back then you were. I totally meant that as a joke, but God, that worked out well. So you guys actually were. You go to your mom and you say, Mama, I want to have six babies and be surrounded by books. Well, I didn't and say I want to. I said, I, I, something just told me I need to. Okay. I, I'm supposed to. So it wasn't that I wanted to, because quite frankly, I would have been perfectly happy with no children. What is that? Uh, it sounds like a microwave bell going off oh, over there. Are you cheating on your diet as we, no, as we speak? No, it's my stupid cell phone. Let me um, you, throw you it lost, out you, lo you lost your phone? Yeah, let me throw it out in the hole. There we go. You literally threw it. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, was a charming, it was a charming little ding. Okay, so you have this feeling inside that you're supposed to, or at least you're fated to have six children. Just out of curiosity, did you end up having any children? We'll save that for the next section. All right, let's save that. Okay. Right. So, so, so tell us a little bit more about what happens after you have this uh, vision or epiphany. Well, I'm, uh, it's called an epiphany. It's where you just have a knowing. And, and most people sometimes will have an epiphany like, Eh, should I go to college or shouldn't I go to college? And you kind of just have this feeling of what you should do. And I'm just much more intuitive. So I tend to listen to those feelings. But so I remember when I said I chose, I felt like I had to choose smart or pretty. Yes. So I chose smart, went off to, um, lived in from Idaho, knew that that was not, that was not, um, it was not serving me well to live in a tiny town with everyone on top of you. And so my sister and her husband had moved to Shreveport, Louisiana. So I moved to Shreveport, Louisiana for my uh, sophomore year in high school. And I think that's where all of my social justice, my um, progressive liberal um, feelings were engaged. First time I'd ever seen a black person. Uh, and you can believe that, you know, probably, uh, probably, Idaho. probably saw quite a few Catholics, too, in Louisiana, I'd imagine. Right, right, right. Didn't know, didn't know anything about it. But, um, but spent that year with my sister and her husband and then came back, graduated from high school and went to college at Utah State. And there I met a young man at a sorority and fraternity party. I was in a sorority and uh, met him. And just as he was graduating from college, 
So way back when, we've been married 56 years. So uh, we're talking probably your grandparents' era or your your parents. Judy, were you in the sorority or were you just at a sorority party? I was in the sorority. I want to know how much hazing you had to go through to enter that sorority. Did they do anything crazy back in the day? Oh, stupid, stupid. You know, when I was in high school, I felt like I needed to join the pep club. Once I got in there, I looked around and I thought, how dumb, how dumb are these little bunnies with dimples and blonde ponytails? And and I quit. And the same thing with the sorority. I had a, a neighbor woman and my sister Liz, who I don't know what they did then. They give you, they kind of give you their blessing or something. So I was accepted very readily there. So so meet my husband. In those days, he had come from Illinois because in-state tuition in Utah or out-of-state tuition in Utah was cheaper than in-state tuition at the University of Illinois. So he had moved out to Utah to live with his brother to finish college. So we met. He had... Um, in, he was going to be an officer in the Air Force, but in the meantime, he was drafted from Illinois. So this is this is one of your war movies, Jesse. You'll have to you'll have to go back to Band of Brothers or something to know about how the draft worked. You better thank God we don't have the draft anymore. I am thankful we don't have the draft anymore. That sounds like a horrible lottery to win, it was you know. A horrible thing. Horrible. Horrible. You know, and those who are rich didn't go. Now, he had a brother in Utah. He comes down because college in Utah is cheaper than in-state college in Illinois. Was he was he a part of the Mormon faith as well? Or not at all? Not at all. Not at all. So we date very shortly. So he was scheduled to become an officer in the Air Force after graduation. However, he's enlist or he's. drafted from Illinois. So we only date about three months. And then on Valentine's Day, uh, uh, 1964, he asked me to marry him. And I said, "Ah, you know what, I have to have six kids, I have to write books, I have to work with families all over the world. And he said, Whoa, I don't have to have six kids. I'm not going down that road. And I said, okay, you know, but, but that's what I have to do. I just know that. And so he said, let me think about it. So he thought about it overnight and then came back and said, okay, I will, I will marry you and I, I will have six kids and I will keep my mouth shut about having six kids and, uh, and, and I will support you in writing books and in working with families. Judy, how beautiful were you back then? There's no way that line would ever work on me. <laughs> I was gorgeous. I was drop dead gorgeous. You had to have been. Oh my goodness. I was really fun. I was the kind of girl you would have liked, Jesse. I would have. Anybody that says let's have six kids, that's I mean, I enjoy making them. I don't know if I would enjoy, you know, the rest of it. Yeah. And and I, you know, I was a lot of fun. I, we enjoyed having lots of fun. So we uh, get married and 
Oh, oh, wait a minute. The rest of this of that story is that because he was enlisted or, or because he was drafted, he had to go to, to basic training in uh, Texas for three months as an enlisted man, then walk across the, uh, you know, the parking lot and then go to another three months of training for an officer. So when he comes back to Idaho to pick me up, to marry me, not only am I gorgeous, he is, oh, what a hunk. After he's done all of that training, the shoulders about this broad, hips about, and I thought. He, he, came, I, he, he came back an officer and a gentleman. So he sounds, how tall, how tall is he? Because I was just watching Pillow Talk with Rock Hudson. And I found out, because I Googled it, Rock Hudson, six foot four. That was a giant of a man. How, to, how, tall, how tall was and, your... And, and Rock Hudson was also gay. So. Yeah, I know. I know. Your husband wasn't, though, right? Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> no um, we do have a gay son. But um, so, no, he's about five. He was about 5'11", but I'm, I'm five, eight and a half. Oh, you're a tall one. Listen, we're going to take a quick break. Judy, I really am enjoying this story. You, you, you tell it very, very well. And uh, when we get back, we're going to continue with, uh, with Judy from Missoula. We'll be right back. Would you like to host your own radio show? Jesse Jameson is an executive producer with the Voice America Talk Radio Network, the leader in live and on-demand internet talk radio. Jesse serves as executive producer to over a dozen shows on our network. If you'd like to connect with Jesse to be a guest on a show, do some advertising, or even want to talk about hosting your very own show, give him a call at 480-553-5719 or email him at jesse.jameson at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's 480-553-5719 or email jesse.jameson at voiceamerica.com. When it comes to financial planning, most of us would probably rather have a root canal. Math, budgets, keeping ourselves and our loved ones secure after retirement, planning for retirement, risk, reward, and the like. How do you find the answers you need? Tune into Fiscal Fitness with John Grace and co-host Daniel Medina. They'll help you feel more secure in your investments and your future. Listen every Wednesday at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. There are lots of unanswered questions about life's problems, and this is especially true about spiritual life. Why can't we see God? Why is there evil in this world? Why does God let bad things happen to us and to others? Can we get divine help? Join Carl Mollison and co-host Brian Kelly for Get Wisdom. They have new answers from the Almighty you need to hear, and listening could definitely change your life. Tune in every Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Are you tired of feeling disconnected and shut down? Since every choice has ripple effects, lasting happiness is a product of the choices we make each day. Tune in to Rise and Shine, not just for mornings anymore. Lorianne Rising and Uncle Mark Olmsted introduced you to authors, musicians, artists, and innovators, all actively engaged in designing a world that works for everyone. Make sure you're along for the ride, Tuesdays at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Variety. Thanks 
for tuning in to Jesse Jameson and Friends. Do you have a super short story that you'd like to have Jesse read on the show? Simply email him. You ready? It's jesse.jameson at voiceamerica.com. And who knows? Jesse might just read your short story on a future show. And now, back to Jesse Jameson and Friends. Okay, so Judy, let me get this straight. Your husband's a very good-looking guy. He's really excited because you guys are ready to have six kids, which is just a lot of loving. Sounds like a lot of fun. He goes to what, Fort Hood in Texas or one of these famous places in Texas, right? He comes back a legit officer and a gentleman. When you saw him, did your eyes light up? Did he literally look like an even better version of what you remembered? Oh, yeah. He was drop-dead gorgeous. And, and then we, had, we planned our marriage very, very soon. We were married very soon after that. And uh, our, first station, our first place we were stationed was Omaha, Nebraska. And we just had a, a wonderful time. I'm very gregarious, love parties. And so I love being an officer's wife. He didn't enjoy being an He didn't enjoy the politics, but went along with it and everything. And then we had our first child in Omaha. And then he was sent to Vietnam. This is the way, Jesse, you are so grateful that there's no military crap in your, you know, right now. But he was offered the option to go to Vietnam for four months and take a chance that the conflict would be over and then he'd be done. Or he could he could just go for a year. And so we gambled and we gambled that, the, that in four months that stupid war would be over. He came back. So I was pregnant. Uh, he came back. We lived in Omaha. We had our Wait, child. hold on. Judy, you can't tell us he took a gamble and then not tell us how the, how the war went. So he goes for four months. Was this the tail end of the war where it was over or what, what, what happens at the end of the four months? The end of the four months, I get pregnant again, and then he's sent back for the other eight months. Oh, okay, I got you. So now you have a back and forth where your husband's with you, but just in enough time to, to be basically sent back again. Yeah, yeah. To, to get me pregnant again and go back. And then, uh, so then when he comes back at, at the end of eight months is exactly when our next baby is born. And then we're sent to Colorado Springs and then we go to Hawaii and, and in between we do all these things. And then in Hawaii. No, wait, Judy, Judy, let me ask you a question because the people at home are just hearing baby war, baby Hawaii, right? Sometimes when people have a lot of kids, they just kind of name, name them child one, child two. Do your kids, do your kids actually have names? What's the first child's name? What's the second child's name? Jesse, thank you so much. I love it. I hate my kids hate it when they say, "Now, which one of the right kids are you?" And, and they say, "Oh, I'm the pretty one. Oh, I'm the smart one. Oh, I'm the pretty, pretty and smart one." Like okay. pretty Smurf and Smarty Smurf. Okay, so what was your first child's name? First child was Deborah, and who is a, a medical a medical forensic. She's in medical forensic, and then the second child was Christine. And she is, um, she is actually a lieutenant colonel in the Air National Guard. And then the third child that was born in Hawaii was Bethany. And Emily 
was born in Hawaii. Wait, how come you guys aren't knocking out any boys? These all sound like girls' names, and they all sound like Republicans. You're kind of a progressive, aren't you? <laughs> I am a progressive. And, uh, and, uh, and, you know, my husband actually was a Republican and then became a moderate. So, so we discuss lots of politics, but we never say how we voted. So there we go. Oh, really? Okay. You bring up an interesting point, Judy, that I got to mention. When I was a little boy, we would ask our teachers, you know, Mrs. Jones, who did you vote for? And I know this sounds kind of bizarre, but most of them really kept their vote private. It was just something that people did. Nowadays, people are a little too vocal, in my opinion, about where they lean. I think in the future, because of all the, the you know, if you tell your friends you're Republican, you lose your progressive friends. If you tell your friends you're, you're left wing, you, you lose your conservative friends. I think in the future, we're going to have another situation where when people vote, they don't talk about it and don't share it. So your husband, for all you know, could have been voting Reagan while you were voting Mondale. You know what I would you know what if I, I would have done if I were you guys? I would have said, hey, Jude, you're going to vote for Mondale. I'm going to vote for Reagan. Let's just call it a day. <laughs> we, 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 let, let's let's not let's not even waste the gas to go vote. Let's just let's just call it even. No, we wanted to model to our kids that how important it was to stay informed, make your own decisions and to vote every single time. Even if we were canceling each other out, go vote. Did you, did you ever vote Republican, though? Did you vote for Reagan? Be honest. Almost everybody I know did. I'm not even old enough to vote for Reagan, but I'm just saying back in the day. Yeah. Who was Jimmy Carter? Jimmy Carter was the peanut guy before Reagan, right? right? Yeah. He was just good and kind, but he, he was like Dwayne. He wasn't political. He didn't. He didn't know how to smooch and, and do all of the crap of, of politics. Yeah, I probably voted for Reagan. I can't remember. Reagan, Reagan was unique to me because nowadays when somebody votes, right, California and New York tend to be blue states, Texas and Florida tend to be red, and then everywhere in between is kind of, you know, sometimes purple, sometimes blue, sometimes red, right? And what's interesting is when I first, the first election I ever watched, I saw Reagan just destroy Mondale. He won like every state except for Minnesota. And Minnesota, I think, was Mondale's state. But apparently he did have some magical words that swayed a lot of Democrats to vote for him back in the day. And it sounds like you might have been been one. Yeah. And and those words are called called NLP, uh, Neuro Linguistic Programming. And we're actually, truly, I'm not, I'm not lying to is that you. A good, is that a good way of saying propaganda? He got, he got you? No, I'm saying that there are some words that are very hypnotic, that are used in advertisements, that are used in, a, in politics, that bring you to a conclusion whether you wanted to go there or not. Okay, so can we, uh, can we both agree that if you're drop-dead gorgeous and you tell a good-looking guy, I want to have six babies, that that might be a little hypnotic? aphrodisiac words well i'm telling you he he had to think about it and then say oh, <laughs> all right i want you and uh it's <laughs> you know that sounds to me like a good promise though hey we're going to be making children the whole way through this will be a lot of fun so and you have and, and you have a real fun nature about you so i think i think it was a, an easy choice for him but good for him that he slept on it one day so so check this out we have deborah christine 
Bethany and Emily. I'm just going to make a prediction that there's a fifth child coming and it's Bob or Robert. Is there a boy coming? But it's not coming until uh, after California. When we came back from Hawaii, we lived in California and then we went to um, Montana. We were sent to Montana and had our our fifth child, which uh, it was Faith. And someone, and we, what I didn't tell you was that while we were in Hawaii, we had a, a baby that was stillborn. Oh, I'm sorry. And that's okay. She's, I, that's okay. That's part of life. But someone mentioned to me, hey, you have an A, B, C, D, E. And then, so we named Faith F, Fat Faith. And um, so uh, as far as I was concerned, because I had had that stillborn, I thought I had six children. You did. And, and so the, the doctor, um, I've never been reticent about speaking up in my own mind, but the doctor, when, when I went to deliver faith, said, well, this is ridiculous. You know, the, the world is overpopulated. You don't need any more kids, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to tie your tubes. And I said, you know what? I probably would have had you tie my tubes because I thought I'd had my six kids. But you're not telling me what to do, fellow. It's just flat out none of your business. And okay. And so I didn't have my tubes tied. But I said to my husband, I, I think I've had my six kids. I think I'm done. And he said, ah, you know, you get these spiritual promptings. I don't. I, I'm going to continue to use birth control. So we did. Continue. Judy, Judy at this point, though, whether it's five or six, because either way, you were pregnant six times. You might have had five I, babies and one stillborn. But here's the interesting thing. You're five foot eight. So mm-hmm. you're, you're a little, you're about my height. I'm five nine. You're five eight and a half, right? Mm-hmm. Um, were you slowly but surely gaining weight? Because I have a feeling that before any children, were you like a bean pole? Were you five foot eight no, and one hundred and fifteen no, no, pounds? No, no, no. I was, I was gorgeous. I weighed about one hundred and fifty-five, which is a, a good weight for a five eight. And uh, no, but with each child, I progressively weighed more. Got couldn't couldn't get rid of the weight. So can you, can you give us an example? So, so you're 155 pounds, then you have Deborah. Were, were you kind of in that 180 range after Deborah? Yes. yes. And then were you, were you progressively bigger, like you said? So like after Christine, were you maybe pushing 200? No, I was, I was, I, I was able to stay. Um, this is another thing you don't know, but your older listeners, do you have older listeners, Jesse? Do you have well, older viewers? I, I have you and your family now. <laughs> That's pretty good. I do have some older listeners, yes. And I I have friends. I have friends. But in that period uh, of when uh, Emily and Bethany, they used to give out diet pills like you would go to the doctor. Well, like we're having an opioid opioid, um, problem right now. In those years, they used to give out diet pills like they give out opioids. And, and they so, were they were methamphetamines or or amphetamines, yeah, right? Speed, yeah, black beauties, yeah. and stuff. Yes. Yeah. And so you would have a baby. You'd weigh 180, and and my goal was to never get over 200. So when I would go into 
have my baby and, and they would weigh and they would say, oh, you're 199 and a half. And I'd say, oh, that's good because I'm going to deliver a baby. If they said I'm over 200, I'd say, no, I'm not. Write down on that that I'm 199 because I don't want to be over 200. Judy, I want to stop you real quick. I'm going to sound like a real jerk, but I'm really being just honest for my audience. As a small person, I have a lot of friends that are guys that are small. And a lot of times we would be in conversations in a car ride together. And I would say, you know what gets me about big people in general? And I'm, it doesn't necessarily mean a woman. It could be a woman or a man. Why don't they catch themselves at 200? Why don't they catch themselves at 250? Why don't they catch themselves at 300? How does a human being get up to four or five, 600 pounds? But it's very unfair because while I struggle gaining weight, I can gain weight, but it's just fat and it, you know, I, I have a hard time getting over 200. But when I was young, especially as a, as a boy in high school, I wanted to be six foot three, 240. You know, I wanted to be big. I, I wasn't meant to be six foot three. And no matter how much weight I put on, I can't get up to 240 without, you know, probably steroids or a lot of fat. And I don't want to go that route. But, but is it wrong for, for people to think that way? Because it sounds like you kind of thought that way, too, that, hey, I'm not going to get over 200. Oh, sure. Oh, sure. Oh, if, if I had a nickel for every time I joined Weight Watchers, I, I, I would buy you a Ferrari. No, well, not with the nickels, but right. I'd buy you a darn good steak dinner and uh, would join Weight Watchers, would do all of these things. So with each baby, I just got a little bit bigger and a little bit bigger. And then um, we moved to Montana and I went to work. I had always run an after school program and uh, worked, did tons of volunteer work, but an after school program so I could be home with my kids. Then when we got to Montana, I got a wonderful job and it was working with school districts across the nation on career education. And I started that job January the 13th, and I must have gotten pregnant January the 12th. And I just kept getting sicker. And I said to my husband, honest to God, if I didn't know different, I would think I was pregnant. And we'd been using birth control. And I said, I'm just going to go into the doctor. And the doctor said, you're pregnant, lady. And I said, ah! that was our son. Awesome. What's his name? His name is Andrew. I like him the best already. So let me ask you a question. There, there's a little magic to your story now, and let me tell you why. why. You had an epiphany, or as I like to call it, a vision or a thought that you were going to have six kids. Based, right. on, based on my math, you hit six, and if you include little Anne, who didn't make it, you almost had seven, but you didn't technically have seven. You had six. Now, is Andrew the one and only boy, or did you guys go on beyond Andrew? No, 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 no. He, uh, well, no, uh, because when I came home to the doctor and said, I'm pregnant, and laid down on the bed to start crying, my husband said, I'm getting a vasectomy tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what, Jesse? This is this is what a great guy he is uh, because he had slept on it. He didn't. He wasn't sure he was up for six kids. With every child I had, he brought me. He bought me a, a jewel, uh, you know. So so a, a nice one for the the one that was born in April. I, he bought me a diamond, and the one in November a topaz, and so on. And so when Andy was born, he he just picked up a rock out of the parking lot and said, "We're done." Yep, we're done. But by the time I had Andy, 
I was over 200 pounds and worked, uh, was working. If you, had to, if you had to guess, Judy, how much over 200? Because 200 is different than 242. I mean, how, how, how big do you think you got? Probably, I probably at my heaviest, I was 219. Okay. And then, I, but that was what I remember weighing at Weight Watchers. But then I, I started a very stressful job uh, managing um, a corporate cellular company. And it was so stressful that one of my ways for coping was to eat. And it was to eat fast food, which I had never done before. And I just kept gaining and gaining and gaining. And then in one year, um, in 2001, I really took a hard look at, at my family. And in that one year, I had four cousins who were diagnosed with diabetes. And one of them had to have his legs amputated. That's scary. Now, listen, Judy, before you go on, don't forget where you're at in the story. We're going to take a quick break. Okay. When we get back, we're going to hear about the family history and how you start noticing a pattern. By the way, super quick, yes or no, was Lucy part of that pattern or was Lucy always? I, I, I like that. So she's, she's a little different here. So yeah. uh, we'll be right back and then we'll uh, finish up Judy's story. We'll be right back. Would you like to host your own radio show? Jesse Jameson is an executive producer with the Voice America Talk Radio Network, the leader in live and on-demand internet talk radio. Jesse serves as executive producer to over a dozen shows on our network. If you'd like to connect with Jesse to be a guest on a show, do some advertising, or even want to talk about hosting your very own show, give him a call at 480-553-5719 or email him at jesse.jameson at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's 480-553-5719 or email jesse.jameson at voiceamerica.com. In business, many leaders have a great vision but find their companies are lacking adequate execution. Transformative Experts with host Chris Elias takes you behind the scenes with real-life business leaders and transformative experts who can pinpoint why. Listen to learn how company culture drives execution to optimize results. How can you afford to miss it? Tune in live every Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have you ever been interested in technology or the application? Technology is always changing and there is definitely a place for you in it. Listen for Coding the Future with Dr. Sharon Jones. Sharon and her guests teach you the skill set and present resources that help you incorporate and enhance technological know-how in your current career as well as prepare you for future success. Listen every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. For tuning in to Jesse Jameson and Friends. Do you have a super short story that you'd like to have Jesse read on the show? Simply email him. You ready? It's jesse.jameson at voiceamerica.com. And who knows? Jesse might just read your short story on a future show. And now, back to Jesse Jameson and Friends. So, Judy, you start to notice a pattern. 
you've got some family members that are consistently overweight or constantly dealing with weight issues to the point where a couple of them have had to get amputations. God, that just sounds scary. Did you kind of see yourself as potentially going down a path? I did because I couldn't lose weight at that point. And, and you mentioned earlier, Jesse, why didn't they stop at 240 or why didn't they stop at 250? The thing is, is that once you're heavy, it's so much harder to exercise. It's so much harder to uh, get out there and do things. And so you end up eating is, is your go-to. And so by this time, I was 250, 255, uh, panicky. You know, I would, I, I, every, I would say, by darn, Monday morning, I'm starting a new diet. And then I would get everybody together. Okay, I mean it this time. I'm going on a diet. Everyone would say, okay, we'll support you. We'll support you. Well, it would last three days. And then on the third day, I would say, oh, screw it. Give me the Oreos. And so. <laughs> but, hey, were you, were, you, were you a cereal fan? I've always, cereal's always been my weakness. Give me some Captain Crunch and some tw- tricks. No, but I do have a, a family member that when they can't think of what to fix for dinner, feeds their family cereal. So, <laughs> Good but, but I, I recognized grandparents uh, having diabetes on both sides. And uh, my sister, my sister Liz, had diabetes, very bad, very overweight. And she was very overweight, had diabetes. So at this point, I'm... 260, maybe even 265, and really panicky. And I think, okay, if I'm going to fulfill the rest of that epiphany, and and by the way, I have been teaching for 40 years, I've been doing um, family training for the tribes and for the school district, the local school district. But I thought, if I'm going to fulfill the rest of that, I can't do it from a wheelchair. I can't do it unhealthy. And so I did, oh, about a hundred pages of of research on different things and decided on the the ruin why gastric bypass. And it's, and I, I don't know enough about it. It's been so long ago because this was in 2002. So it's been 18 years ago. I found a doctor. I couldn't find a doctor in Missoula. But I, uh, my husband was retired Air Force. We happened to be in Great Falls near an Air Force base, saw a bariatric clinic, and I thought, I'm just going to stop in there. Stopped in there. There was a doctor who obviously, um, he wasn't Kervokian, but, uh, you know, was, he, he said, oh, I can get you. I can get you operated on, and I can get your insurance to pay for it. And so he said my weight was 275, which would have put my, my BMI at 40, and it had to be at 40. I don't think I was cried at 275, but he said, you are the kind that will make it and because you're very motivated, you have what you want to do. And with that bariatric surgery, and it is not for everyone because they don't operate on your head. They operate on your belly. Sorry about that. Please charge battery. That's my phone. That's somewhere. On the I wish my I wish my phone would tell me those things. I know, my phone never mentions it until it's too late, and then it just goes black on me. Um, some some book, 
But uh, so you, what you do with that surgery is you literally lose a pound a day. They call it a honeymoon. And for that first 60 days, you're losing a minimum of a pound a day. And if you're diligent about it, I know. Judy, Judy, uh, teach me here or, or help me learn here. I believe I've been told from past memories that our stomach is about the size of our fist. Right. With this surgery, don't they? Because obviously for a bigger person, you know, you, you can stretch out that tummy quite a ways and fit a lot of food in there. With the bariatric surgery, is that the one where they can reduce that to like the size of an egg? Yeah. And, but, but with mine, with the kind that I have, they cut it and sew, sew it up and they cut a portion of your small intestine. Okay. So, so, and I don't exactly know how that works. You just, you just eat less. I mean, it's been 18 years. I just eat less. But did you know, did you notice that your cravings went from maybe an eight on a scale of one to 10 to like a two? Did you actually crave eating less too? Yeah. Oh yeah. Plus I knew that I needed lots of protein. So I would take a, a string of cheese, wrap it with turkey and ham, and that would be you know, just eat that. And, and it, and I kept going until I hit about 160 pounds. So that would have been according to him, that would have been 100, and, I don't know, 115 pounds or something lost. But when I hit that, it was like my spirit was saying, Oh, okay, this is what you should weigh. And, and I have not 18 years, I've never gained more than four or five pounds. That's beautiful. So you're literally high school skinny too. You're the same as me. So let me, so let me ask you this, Judy. I watched a show on TV that was really popular, but kind of cruel. It was called the big, it was called the biggest loser. Oh, that was horrible. It was, it was seemed very cruel to me. And I found out that a lot of those people end up gaining the weight back. But here was the question I have for you. Some of those people lose so much weight that they end up having kind of loose folds of skin and they get really self-conscious. They, you know, they almost get like a lip out of their tummy of skin. Did you have any of the excess skin issues or if you do it slowly enough and you build muscle enough or, or, you know, not to get too personal, but is that one of those things that it didn't bother you or is there some loose skin issues? Sure, there's some loose skinny issues, but I'm also 76 and my husband still finds me desirable. So screw it. Judy, you look like somebody that's maybe in their 50s. And I say that only because of the the hair color that you have. You've got that nice white hair color, right? When I was young, when I was younger, the women your age would have blue hair. I really loved it. Whatever, whatever happened to the blue haired girls? I used to like that. Um, so you, so what I want, what I want to stress to your audience, because a lot of people, and, and especially a lot of younger people, will be listening to this. That does not work for everyone. That was a choice that I made after doing all that research and thinking, okay, I know what I'm supposed to do in life, and I can't do it from a wheelchair. If I choose this tool then what am I going to do to make sure this tool, and it's a tool like you choose a tool to go to college or you choose a tool to get a life coach or something. Once I have that tool, what am I going to do to maximize success with it? And I made the decision that I would find my weight 
and and I would stay at that weight for some time until it becomes a set point. And when you were talking about the biggest loser, one of the things that happened to them is they never did have breaks in between where they had a chance to have a set point at 200 and a set point at 150. They were just taken down so rapidly that their body didn't need very much nourishment. No matter what they ate, they were going to gain weight with it. And, and with what I did, and I learned that it was, a, a, it was a tool that I had to use wisely. And a lot of people who had bariatric surgery in that era, and at the same time, regained the weight by drinking, by drinking mil- milkshakes, by drinking martinis, by drinking beer, by drinking other things, because your stomach isn't that big. And so... So they still have this psychological thing of being a fat girl or being a fat boy. And so there are a lot of people who regain the weight. So you need to know that, that if this is a tool for you, then you have to use the tool wisely. Now, isn't that dangerous, though? Because didn't the Wilson Phillips girl get on that surgery and lose a bunch, but then end up gaining? But here's the thing. If you gain weight and your stomach is only the size of an egg... It seems to me like that could be really dangerous. Like, do staples ever come out? I mean, can you literally kill yourself if you start eating the same way? No, or- no. In the first place, mine is stitched, but you can stretch that. I okay. mean, that's one of the ways by drinking milkshakes, it stretches it. And uh, your body just uh, absorbs that. Now, when we go out to dinner, um, and this was a conscious choice I made and he made to be healthy. We order a steak. We order an eight-ounce steak. Uh, We cut about a third of it off. I eat that. I eat half of the baked potato. I order a a side salad and and sautéed vegetables. He eats uh, the rest of the steak, the the rest of the baked potato. Sometimes we share a dessert. That's, That's how we should have been eating all along. Judy, that sounds like love. I wish that people nowadays experience that type of love where you could actually have a marriage that lasts forever. I don't know what your thoughts are on the afterlife, but I believe in eternal life. And, uh, you know, I'd like to think that you and your husband are going to be together literally forever. Uh, But I think that that's just a beautiful thing. Let me ask you a question. You're a coach of sorts now. and. And I, be- and I believe you've gotten a book that you've written. Can you give us the title of your book and maybe your website if somebody wants to maybe visit you? Oh, bless your heart. I was told I needed to write books. I've got 22 books up on Amazon. That's nothing. I know. I know. Well, well here's for people who think they're going to become rich as an author. 22 books, and we have never yet earned enough money to pay the mortgage with it. But when I go as a speaker and my husband goes along to sell my books, we, we can make four or $500. So if you go to my website, artichokepress.com uh, and, and put in products, uh, it not only comes up with the books, but it comes up with the e-courses that I've created and some audio books. So uh, yeah. And, and just a real quick aside about the artichoke, our daughter helped me become, choose that logo because the families I work with were often court appointed and were uh, parents 
who had never been parented. And so the artichoke is very closed off, prickly, and then it takes some time to open it up and get warm. So it's artichokepress.com. Uh, and my books and my e-courses are there. And I would love it if you would do that. One other aside I have to just throw in here, Jesse, because we got to do another segment. I am a coach, but do you know what kind of a coach I am? I'm a pet grief coach. A pet grief? So if I lose, you know, Bruno from a couple of years back and I can't get over it because I, I saw Bruno as a member of the family. And I, there is no Bruno, by the way, but I'm just saying you could help somebody get over the loss of, of their pets. Or even if their pets are maybe sad or what have you, maybe you can help them. Or is it just for people that have lost a pet? It's, it's from people who have lost a pet or who are, who are anticipating the loss of a pet. And a lot of people, their pet is the most They're, beloved right. family. And, and not everybody understands that. So, yeah, that's the kind of coach I am. Now, Judy, who is Auntie Artichoke? Well, I told you about how I how we came to the artichoke because sometimes they're kind of brittle and hard to open. And then when I worked when we were in Hawaii, I worked with indigenous people there and in Montana too, and got the title of auntie. And auntie means a wise woman who loves unconditionally. And in many indigenous tribes. Um, if there's problems within the nucleus family, they'll go to live with an auntie. Or aunties, if they, there's too many kids there, they're, they get in trouble with the law, an auntie will step in and help them. So that's how I got the title of Auntie Artichoke. I love your positivity and what have you. So you obviously help people get over grieving situations with their family. Do you also ever discuss um, options with people that are dealing with weight issues? Do you... Maybe not necessarily on a business side, but I imagine you have had conversations with folks. You know, I don't. And one of the reasons that I don't is because that's such a personal thing. And people, um, if, if you, I have said to um, a guy who was in my, uh, what do you call it? My mastermind. He was in my mastermind. And he was, he was 450 pounds. He could hardly breathe. And we were meeting in a downstairs of a coffee shop and he would come in. <sighs> and I said, you know, um, you may not know this, but 18 years ago I had gastric bypass and it was one of the wisest decisions I've ever made. And he said, thank you for sharing. Obviously he was not open. And, and I have, have said to other people, if you ever want to know anything about gastric bypass, let me, you know, perhaps I could help you. And, and it has to be something that they want, because when people are really heavy like that, or ultra skinny, not your slender, I hate the word skinny and fat, but uh, they, they don't want people to mention that. They want to assume that they are who they are and they're loved for who they are. Let them assume, no, they are loved who, with who they are. You know, we live in a unique world where when I was younger, we saw bullying as bad. But if as an adult, we reflect back on that bullying and it builds character, it kind of drives us to hit our goals. It, there is an aspect of bullying that's actually 
dare I say, necessary. And now we live in a world where there is no fat shaming. There is no body image shaming. You're accepted for who you are and what you are, and you should be happy and people should be happy with you. But it's so tough for me because I know what happens to people as, you know, there is no such thing as a 90 year old 400 pounder. No, uh, you know, there isn't. Uh, it, it's dangerous to be uh, oh, morbidly obese. Um, but at the same time, you know, I have shows where I see two and 300 pound uh, women that are short. You know, they might be barely five foot tall, but they weigh 250. And because they don't have cholesterol problems and they don't have heart problems yet, they, you know, they're, they're under this false assumption that they're 100% healthy. And it just makes me feel bad because I know what's down the road for them. There's going to be that day where they're no longer healthy. We've got about 30 seconds. Judy, tell us anything that you need us to know. All right. Bless your heart, because I kind of agree with you about bullying. One of my books is called The Bully, The Bullied, and The Bystander. And do you know who suffers the worst in that? It's the bystander. Because years and years later, he'll think, you know, I should have, I should have stood up for that kid. I should have said, hey, that wasn't fair. You know, but you're right. We do need we do need someone to from outside to say, uh, is there any way I could help you or what can I do to help you? Artichokepress.com. I'd love to have your listeners uh, check us out, see what we're see what we have and what we can share with you. Oh, I bet you would. You're not getting my listeners. All right. Yeah, we can share them. They Go visit uh, artichokepress.com and visit Judy, or as, as we like to call her, Auntie Artichoke. Judy, one of the last things that I'll ask you, can we count on you to come on the show again in the future to share another story? Because I had a blast. I, I would love to. I would really love to. And in fact, it would be fun to do that one on bullies, wouldn't it? I think so. So let's plan on that for, you know, later in the year. I want to wish you and your family, Judy, uh, from Andrew all the way through Faith, I want to wish you guys all a wonderful new year and wonderful new year to everybody out there. Thank you for listening to Jesse Jameson and friends, and we'll see you all next week. Thank you for joining us again for another episode of Jesse Jameson and Friends. We hope you had as much fun as we did. Be sure to tune in again next week for another great story. Jesse Jameson and Friends is heard every Sunday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. Jesse Jameson and Friends is a proud presentation of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. All rights reserved.